We're going to be learning in Chidush Rabbeinu Chaim Alevi, the first piece in Hilchus Gneva. This is Parak Aleph, Halacha Tesvav. And Rab Chaim is going to explain the differing approaches of the Rambam and the Raivid to the Halacha of Ein Shamin Leganov, which on the surface means that if someone steals an object and then the object gets damaged, so the thief does not only compensate the value of what they damaged, but they have to replace the whole item. But as Rab Chaim is going to go through, there's a debate. There are two different ways in the common to understand this halacha, and it's not clear in the Rambam and the Raivid which approach they're taking. So Rab Chaim's going to analyze the few brief comments they make about this topic and try to read between the lines and logically infer which approach they're each taking. The Rambam writes, If someone steals a vessel and they break it or they damage it, or it gets broken or damaged on its own, we don't evaluate how much this damage is worth. So we don't look at the vessel and say it used to be $100 and now it's $75, so it's a $25 damage. Rather, Rather, we evaluate how much the vessel was worth when he stole it. So let's say again it's $100 and he has to pay double that to the owners. So he pays $200. And then the thief owns the broken vessel vessel. So again, if he steals a vessel worth $100 and he damages it $25, we don't evaluate the damage and the thief pays $25. Rather, we take the original value of the vessel and the thief has to pay double, so $200 to the owners. So that's the Rambam's ruling. Ain shaman leganov. We don't evaluate the damages for a thief. Now, the Raivit disagrees. Even though the Gemara does say that we don't evaluate for a thief, that's referring to the Karen, the actual amount that he stole. So in terms of having to repay whatever he actually stole, we don't evaluate it. He just pays the full thing. But when it comes to the fine of paying double, so then there we do evaluate for the Ganav, which is someone who steals in secret, so he sneaks in and steals, just like we do for a gazlan, which is someone who steals openly. So in English, a ganav is like a burglar, and a gazlan is like a robber. So says the Ravid, since we do evaluate the damages for a gazlan, so the same is true for the extra payment, the fine of double of the ganav, that we do evaluate the damages, and that's what he pays double of. But he does not have to pay double of the entire vessel. So according to the Ravid, let's say he steals a vessel worth a hundred and damages it $25, he would pay $125 because the fine of Kefel, the double, that does get evaluated, so it's $25. So that's the debate between the Rambam and the Raivid, whether we evaluate the damages in terms of paying Kefel. Now the Magid Mishnah quotes from the Yerushalmi that the source for this halacha comes from the Pasuk Chaim Shnayim Yeshalem. If they're living, he pays double. So the Torah is trying to differentiate in Shor and Seh, that if the thief slaughtered them, then he pays more, four and five times. But if they're alive, then he pays double. So the Yushalmi reads into this Pasuk, only when the object is alive, the Lomesim, not if it died. So if the vessel was broken, it's as if it died. So once it died, the thief can't give it back to the owners. So from here we derive that we don't evaluate damages. If the thief damages the object he stole, he has to give the owner 
owner a new object, he can't give him back the original broken object along with payment for the remainder of what he damaged. So this is the source for the concept of Ein Shaman Leganev, that we don't evaluate the damages for a thief, but rather he has to pay a new object. And clearly, the whole context of this halacha is coming from the Pasuk of Kefel, where the Torah is talking about the thief having to pay double. So very clearly, this halacha does apply to the Kefel as well. So that's the Magid Mishnah's proof to the Rambam in question on the Raivid. How could you say that this halacha does not apply to the Kefel, only to the Karen, the base payment, when the whole source for it is derived from a Pasuk in the Torah, which is talking about Kefel? So according to the Raivid, Rab Chaim answers based on the Gemara in Babakama Samech Hay, the Gemara differentiates that the payment of Karen, the base payment, follows the moment when the object was stolen. As opposed to the fines of double or four or five times, that follows what the object is worth when the person came to judgment. So there's a difference as to when we lock in how much the object is worth for the base payment versus the fines. Now the Gemara derives this from this Pasuk. It says, Geneva v'chayim, the payment which is alive. So the Gemara interprets, shiganav. The Karen payment lives like the moment when it was stolen. So the Gemara derives a rule about how to pay the Karen from this Pasuk of Chaim Shnayim, and that very rule does not apply to the actual Kefel. So you see a precedent in this Gemara that that Pasuk, even though it says Shnayim, which means two, so it's referring to Kefel, but it could be interpreted as referring to the Karen and not the Kefel, because that's what the Gemara in Baba Kama Samechei does as well. So based on that, the Ravid could say that even though it says Shnayim, but still the Halacha that we don't evaluate the damages, which is derived from that Pasuk, only refers to the Karen and not the Kefel. So now Rab Chaim begins to analyze this issue and he says when the Rambam rules Ein Shaman Leganev, we don't evaluate damages for a Ganev, rather he pays the value of the object and then the object he stole belongs to him. So that could mean one of two things. Either it means that the Ganev can't say to the owners, here's your vessel. So he stole an object, it was worth $100, now he damaged it by $25. He can't just go back to the owners and say, here's your original vessel and we're done. He has to compensate the owners up to $100, but included in that payment could be the broken vessel. So that's the view of the Rashabam and the Rivam quoted in Tosos Bamitziyat Tzadivav Amidbez. They hold that the broken vessel could be part of the overall payment. So the Ganev owes the owners $100. He could give them the broken vessel, which is worth $75, plus another $25 in cash. So that's an acceptable way to pay the $100. And the reason is because the broken vessel also has a financial value. So even though he can't return it as the stolen object, meaning if he stole an object and he did not damage it, then he just returns that object and he does not worry about the financial value. But in this case, since he damaged it, he has to worry about the financial value. So he has to repay the owners the amount that he originally stole from them, whatever the value of the vessel was at the moment when he stole it, but included in his overall payment package could be the broken vessel, just like anything else that has financial value can be included in his payment package. 
So that's the first option of what it means that we don't evaluate damages for a ganav. The other option is a stronger formulation that he's not even allowed to use the broken vessel as part of his payment package, even though he could use other objects. So if he finds something lying around his house, he could include that in the payment package to get to $100, but he can't use the broken vessel that he stole as part of his financial payment because that's all included in the Torah's rule of Chaim. He has to pay with full objects, not broken objects. So this is a stronger formulation. Not only is the Torah saying he can't give the broken object and then say that he's totally done, he doesn't care whether it's the full value or not, the Torah is saying something even more strongly. He can't use the broken vessel at all, even as part of his payment package to get to $100. So that's the view of Rashi and the Rush in Babakama Yud Aleph. So basically, we have a debate between the Rashbam and the Rivam versus Rashi and the Rush how to interpret this rule that we don't evaluate damages for a Ganav, Ein Shamin Leganav. Does it mean that he can't just return the broken vessel? He has to pay the original amount of what he stole, but he could use the broken vessel as part of that payment? Or does it mean something more strongly that he can't use the broken vessel at all, even as part of his payment? to pay what he stole originally. So now, according to the view of the Rashbam and the Rivam, that he could use the broken vessel as part of his payment. So what exactly is the halacha of Ein Shaman Leganev telling us? It seems obvious that since he damaged, he has to pay whatever the difference in value is. So since the object was worth 100, now he damaged it, so it's worth 75. So it seems obvious that he has to make up the extra 25. What is the point of this halacha that we don't evaluate damages for a ganav? So Tosos explains that according to this view, the difference is if the ganav returns the stolen object as hareshal chalifa necha, he says, here's the object I stole, so now I'm returning it. So then he's obligated in the value of the object at the moment when he was judged. So let's say when he stole the object, it was worth $100, and then he's judged a week later, but in the intervening week, the value of that object dropped to $90. So if he can return the stolen object, then he can say to the owners, I owe you $90. So this is 75 of it and I'll make up 15. So that's what the halacha says that he cannot return that lost object. We don't evaluate for a thief. So instead he owes him the money. He can't return the lost object. Now when he owes him the money, so then he has to pay like the value of the object when it was originally stolen. So that's a hundred. So that's the point of this halacha that he can't return the lost object, which would mean that we evaluate the value of the object at the moment of the judgment. Rather, we evaluate the value based on the moment when it was stolen. So if it went down, now the Ganev has to pay the extra, not only based on what was damaged, but based on how much it was worth when it was originally stolen. So that's the point of this halacha. Says Rab Chaim, if the Rambam holds like the Rashbam and the Rivam on this, so now the Ravid's question against the Rambam makes
makes perfect sense. Because the Ravid is saying that this whole halacha could only possibly apply to the Karen, but there's no way it could apply to the fines of double or four or five times. Because the Gemara in Bab Kama Samachay that Rab Chaim quoted earlier says explicitly that the Karen is paid based on the value at the time when the object was stolen, but the fines are paid based on the value at the moment of judgment. So it's not possible to apply this halacha to the fines because Tosos just said that the point of this halacha is that the Ganev has to pay based on the moment when it was stolen. And that cannot apply to the fines which are paid based on the value at the time of judgment. So that's the Ravid's question on the Rambam according to this view of the Rashbam and the Rivam. But says Rab Chaim, even according to the other view of Rashi and the Rush, the Ravid still has a question against the Rambam. Because the view of Rashi and the Rush is that this halacha of Ein Sham and Liganav is telling us that he can't return the broken vessel as part of his payment package. So it's not necessarily referring to the value of the vessel at any specific moment. But still, included in this halacha is the same idea Tosvo said, that the thief has to return the value of the object at the moment it was stolen. So that's also included in this halacha as well, that if the market value of the object goes down between when it was stolen and the judgment, the thief can't pay the value at the time of judgment. He has to pay the value of what he stole. So even according to Rashi and the Rush, that idea is included in this halacha. So again, the Ravid is asking on the Rambam that this halacha can only refer to the Karen, which is based on the time when the object was stolen, not the fines, the kefel, which is based on the value at the time of the judgment. So this halacha cannot be referring to kefel. So either way, the Ravid is focusing on this aspect of the halacha. Part of Ein Shaman Liganev is that we evaluate the value of the object based on the time it was stolen. So the Ravid asks, that only applies to the base payment, not to the fines. So now, how does the Rambam respond to this? So Rab Chaim explains that the Rambam believes, even though these two halachas, that the Ganev has to pay the value of the object when he stole it, and he can't give the broken object back, even though they seem to be connected, but they're not actually fundamentally connected. They both center on the issue of whether the Ganev can and return the stolen object that was damaged through Haresh al like a regular stolen object, he can return it to the owners and be done. Or once the object is damaged, he can no longer return it. So both of those halachas center on that question. If he can just return this broken object, so that's it. He returns the broken stolen object and now he's done. So obviously then we use the value at the time of judgment. On the other hand, once the halacha said, Ein shaman leganev, so he cannot return this damaged stolen object. So two things follow from that. One is that he can't just return the damaged object. He has to give the value of a new object. And the second is that the value is determined based on the time when it was stolen. But those two things are not fundamentally connected. They just both happen to follow from this halacha. So now, says the Rambam, even though the detail that we use the value of the object from the time it was stolen does not apply to the kefel, because as the Ravid said, the kefel certainly follows the moment of judgment, and even the Rambam agrees with the Ravid on that. So that detail of the halacha that we determine the value based on when it was stolen 
only applies to the Karen, not the Kefel. But says the Rambam, even so, the other detail that he can't pay with a broken object, he needs to pay the value of a full new object that does apply both to the Karen and the Kefel. So according to the Rambam, these two halachas don't always have to be parallel. There are cases like Kefel where they could be split up and one of them might apply. So that's what the Rambam holds. Both of the halachas that we use the value from the time it was stolen and the thief cannot pay a broken vessel. He has to give a full vessel. Both of those apply to Karen. But when it comes to Kefel, only the second aspect that the thief can't pay a broken vessel applies. But the first one does not apply as the Ravid said. So that's the explanation of the Rambam's position that he differentiates between these two halachas. Now back to the Ravid. So according to Rab Chaim, he has two responses to this view of the Rambam. First of all, he says, since these two halachas are both derived from the same pasuk of Chaim Shnayim, so once we see that one of the halachas does not apply to Kefel, it makes sense that the whole concept doesn't apply to Kefel. So according to the Ravid, since these two details are derived from the same Pasuk, they should be parallel. And since we know that one of them can't apply to Kefel, so neither of them does. Second, the Ravid argues that the whole halacha that a Ganav can't pay back a broken vessel, he has to give a full vessel. The whole meaning of that is that he has to give the value of a full vessel like the moment when it was stolen. So how could you possibly apply that to Kefel, which has nothing to do with the value of when it was stolen? So how does the Rambam think we're going to formulate this whole halacha of Kefel, that he has to pay a full vessel, not a broken vessel, but the moment that we determine the value of the vessel doesn't apply to Kefel? So how can we possibly apply this halacha when the whole basis for valuing the vessel doesn't apply to Kefel the way it does to Karen? So according to the Ravid, there is no practical way really to apply this halacha that Kefel is based on the full vessel, not the broken vessel, since Kefel is based on the value at the time of judgment and not the value when it was stolen. So that's the Ravid's counter back to the Rambam. That's why he holds that the whole concept of Ein Shaman Leganev doesn't apply to Kefel, only to Karen. So now, so far, Rab Chaim has not taken aside whether the Rambam and the Ravid agree with the Rashbam and the Rivam or Rashi and the Rush. But now he quotes that the Agos Maimani holds that the Rambam agrees with Rashi and the Rush. So the rule is that the Ganav cannot pay back broken parts of a vessel even as part of his overall payment plan. The Torah excludes broken vessels from being used as payment for stolen objects. So if that's the view of the Rambam, this whole idea fits even better because then these two details of the Halacha are really totally separate. One is that he can't use broken broken vessels to pay for stealing. And the second is an unrelated halacha that the value of the object is based on when he stole it. But they really are disconnected. So according to the Rambam, even though only the first one applies to Kefel, not the second one, that doesn't make a difference. And in fact, Rab Chaim adds that he thinks the Ravid too agrees with the view of Rashi and the Rush. Because the Ravid's phrase at the end of this comment is, This seems logical. So it sounds 
sounds like the Ravid is basing his view on logic and not in explicit Gemara. Now, if the Ravid understands, like the Rashbam and the Rivam, that the issue of Ein Shamin Leganev means that we use the value of the object from the moment it was stolen, not the moment of judgment, so the fact that that doesn't apply to Kefel is an explicit Gemara in Babakama Samechei. The Gemara itself says that the value of Kefel is determined by the value of the object at the moment of judgment, not when it was stolen. So why didn't the Ravid say, my view is an explicit Gemara in Babakama? Why is he saying this seems logically to be the case? So it must be, says Rab Chaim, the Ravid also agrees with Rashi and the Rush. The concept of Ein Shaman Leganev means that the thief cannot pay for the stolen object, what he owes using broken vessels. And on that, the Ravid argues that only applies to Karen, not the Kefel, but that's based on logic because it seems that this halacha should not apply to Kefel. But there is no explicit Gemara, and that's why the Ravid attributes it to logic. So both the Rambam and the Ravid agree on the overall understanding of this halacha. They're just debating whether to apply it to Kefel. But says Rab Chaim, there are still two lingering problems in this halacha. First of all, the language of the Rambam is difficult. The Rambam is recording this halacha of Ein Shaman Leganav, that the thief cannot pay a broken vessel. He has to pay a full vessel. So the Rambam includes in that that we evaluate the value of the vessel is based on the time when it was stolen. So even if this is not the focus of the Rambam, which value of the vessel we use at the time it was stolen versus the moment of judgment, as Rab Chaim quoted from the Agos Maimani, that the Rambam agrees with Rashi and the Rush that this halacha primarily means that the thief cannot use broken vessels in his payment. But even if it's not the focus of the Rambam's halacha, it's still included in the language of the Rambam that the valuation is based on the value at the time it was stolen. So how can the Rambam in the very next words say that he has to pay Kefel? The Kefel is certainly not paid based on the value at the time it was stolen. That's clear. The value of the Kefel is determined at the moment of judgment. So how can the Rambam include in this halacha, which says that the value of the object is based on the time it was stolen, that then the thief pays Kefel, which sounds like the value of the Kefel payment is also based on the value of the object at the time it was stolen. So that's the difficulty in the language of the Rambam. Second, there's a difficulty in the language of the Ravid. If the Ravid is asking on the Rambam, how can you apply this halacha of Ein Shaman Leganav to Kefel? Because Ein Shaman Leganav is based on the value at the time it was stolen, and Kefel is based on the value at the time of judgment. So how can you apply Ein Shaman Leganav to Kefel? If that is the Ravid's question, so what does he mean when he says by Kefel, yes, Shaman? The Ravid seems to to be saying the reason why the thief pays the value of the Kefel payment based on the value of the object at the moment of judgment is because of Shaman. So the difference between the Karen and the Kefel, the reason the Karen follows the value at the moment it was stolen and the Kefel follows the value at the moment of judgment is based on this distinction of Shaman. Since Ain Shaman by Karen, so therefore the thief pays the value at the time it was stolen. But since that halacha of Ain Shaman does not apply. That's a double negative. So really it means yes, Shaman, when it comes to Kefel. So therefore the thief 
pays the value of the kefil payment based on the value at the moment of judgment. But that's not the explanation for it. Again, the Gemara in Babakama Samechei derives this distinction from the Psukim. It interprets the Psukim to indicate this distinction. So why is the Ravid attributing it to the issue of Shamin or not when the Gemara attributes that distinction to how it interprets the Psukim? So that's the difficulty with the language of the Ravid. So those are the two issues that Rab Chaim raises. The way the Rambam and the Ravid seem to be presenting these halachas does not fit into the framework that he developed so far. So to answer this, Rab Chaim develops a new idea in this halacha. The Rambam in the previous halacha writes, Ganav behema bahen, If a thief steals an animal or a vessel, When he stole it, it was worth four zuz, their currency, let's say four dollars. And now at the moment of judgment, it went down by half, so it's worth two. So as we've seen, the halacha is that the thief pays the karen, the base payment, based on the value at the time it was stolen, so four, and the fines of double or four or five, he pays based on the value at the time of judgment, so two. Now, in the reverse case, where the value of the animal actually went up in the meantime, so if at the time it was stolen, it was worth two, and then it went up to four at the time of judgment, so now the Rambam differentiates. If he slaughtered or sold or broke the vessel or lost it. So then he's responsible to pay the fine based on the higher value at the time of judgment. So we apply the $4 value to the fine. But says the Rambam, if the thief did not ruin the object, if the animal just died on its own, so the thief didn't slaughter it, the animal died, or the vessel was lost, but the thief didn't break it or lose it. So then, there's a leniency that even the fine he only pays based on the lower value of what it was worth when it was stolen. So in that case where the thief did not ruin the object, it got ruined on its own, even the fine is paid using the lower value of two, which is what it was worth when it was stolen. So Rab Chaim has two problems with this Rambam. First of all, in the case where the value of the animal or the vessel goes up from two to four between when it was stolen and the judgment. So the Rambam rules that if the thief actively destroys the object, he slaughters the animal or he breaks the vessel, so then he has to pay the fine based on the higher value at the time of judgment. So Rab Chaim questions this because the distinction the Rambam is drawing between whether the thief actively destroys the object or passively it gets destroyed Isbar biadayim, if he destroys it, versus Isbar mimela, if it was destroyed. So that comes from the Gemara in Bamitzia Mem Gimel. And the Gemara explains that the reason Isbar biadayim, if the thief actively breaks it, he has to pay the higher level, is because it says if he stole it at the moment when he broke it. So when a thief steals an object, he has some responsibility for the object, but he doesn't acquire it fully. If he though breaks the object, so the the act of breaking an object is a form of acquiring something. So at that point, he fully acquires it. So then he has full responsibility for the cost of the object. So that's the reason that if a thief 
actively destroys it, he has to pay the higher value. But says Rab Chaim, that has nothing to do with the time of judgment. It's that whatever the value was at the moment the thief broke it gets locked in. And that's what he's responsible because at that moment he fully acquired it. So why is the Rambam attributing this to the higher value of the time of judgment when in fact the theory of this halacha is different that since the thief totally acquires the object through breaking it, so the payment value is locked in at that moment. And even more problematic is that the Rambam applies this whole distinction to paying the fines in addition to Karen because the real distinction applies to Karen. When it comes to Karen, so the Ganav has to pay the value at the time Time the object was stolen. So if he then destroyed the object, so the moment when it was fully stolen is when he destroyed it, so he has to pay the value at that time. But that all applies to Karen. When it comes to the fines, so as the Rambam said at the beginning of the halacha, the determining value is the moment of judgment. So that's why if the value goes down, the fine is based on the lower value at the time of judgment, because that's the way the halachas of the fines work. That the value is determined by how much the object is at the time of judgment. So why then does the Rambam say that if the value goes up, he has to pay the fine again based on the value at the moment of judgment because the Ganav actively destroyed the object. Even without that, he always has to pay the value of the fines based on the value at the time of judgment. It's irrelevant whether he actively destroyed it or passively got destroyed. So why does the Rambam attribute this second part of the halacha to the fact that the Ganav actively destroyed the object when it's actually the parallel of the first part of the halacha and that's just the way fines work that the value is determined at the time of judgment. It has nothing to do with the fact that the Ganav actively destroyed the object. Now it is true that in the case of the Rambam, the Karen and the Kefel are going to end up being evaluated with the same value. That's what the Rambam is trying to find. A unique case where even though ordinarily the Karen follows the time it was stolen and the Kefel follows the time of judgment. But there is a special case which the Rambam is describing here where both the Karen and the Kefel are the same value. And that is where the thief stole it. It was worth two. And then it went up to four and he slaughtered it. And then he came to judgment and it was still four. So at the time of the slaughtering or the destroying of the vessel, it was worth the same as it would be at the moment of judgment. And both those times were worth more than when the thief originally stole it. So if we go through the halachas in this case, the Karen and the Kefel are both valued at four. The Kefel is obviously valued at four because it's based on the time of judgment. And the Karen in this case is unusual because it follows the moment that the thief destroyed the object, not when he originally stole it. So both the Karen and the Kefel are going to be valued at four. So that's the point the Rambam is trying to make, and that is correct. But again, why does he attribute the active destruction to the reason why the Kefel is valued at four, when in fact the Kefel always would have been valued at four, even without active destruction, because it's valued at the time of judgment. The Karen is what needs the active destruction to say that it's valued at four. So the Rambam seems to be confusing the Karen and the Kefel in this case, he's recording the reason for the Karen being valued at four in order to explain why the Kefel is valued at four. So that's Rab Chaim's question on the Rambam's whole presentation of this halacha. 
So to explain this Rambam, says Rab Chaim, there is a key point in the Rambam. He holds that the whole concept of valuing the stolen object based on the time of judgment, the Shas HaMada Bedin, only applies when the object is still in existence. So then we can say that since this very object went down in value, so it has two values. One is when it was stolen, and one is when the person came to judgment. But if the stolen object itself has been destroyed in the meantime. So at the time of judgment, the stolen object is no longer in existence. Then according to the Rambam, there is no concept of valuing this stolen object based on its value at the time of judgment because this object never depreciated in value. Even though it would be possible to look at other equivalent objects and see how much they have depreciated to get a sense for how much the stolen object would have have depreciated, but we don't do that unless the stolen object is itself in existence and was able to depreciate. Otherwise, we don't consider this object to have two different values, one when it was stolen and one at the moment of judgment. So that's why according to the Rambam, if the object is destroyed in the meantime, the value of it gets locked in at that moment and we no longer take into account what the value of this stolen object would have been at the time of judgment. And Rab Chaim adds to this formulation that the reason why there's a distinction between the Karen and the Kefel is for very logical reasons. Since when it comes to the Karen, the thief could say to the owners, Hareshel Chalafanecha, here's the object I stole from you, I'm returning it, and now the thief has no more responsibility, as the Gemara in Babakama Samaches and Ayin Vav explains. So it makes sense that the value of the Karen is determined based on when he stole it, because theoretically he could return the object and get himself out of any more financial obligation of the Karen. As opposed to the Kefel, where the whole obligation begins at the moment of judgment. So once the court determines that he stole and owes the fine, so at that moment he becomes obligated in the fines. So it makes sense that the value depends on the time of judgment. So the distinction between the Karen and the Kefel and how we value them is not arbitrary, but it's based on when in the process the thief becomes obligated to repay this particular payment. Now, if the thief destroyed the stolen object, so it's no longer in existence, so now there's no Hareshal Khalafanecha. He cannot return the object to the owners. So once he loses that, so everything kicks in at the same time because there's no difference between the Karen and the Kefel. It's not that he's returning the stolen object and fulfilling his Karen obligation. Since he destroyed the object, so both the Karen and the Kefel payments kick in at the same moment, which is the moment when he destroyed the object. Both the Karen and the Kefel get locked in at that moment, so that's why they're both going to depend on the moment when he destroyed the object and not on the moments which they generally depend on. So the Karen is not going to depend on when it was first stolen, and the Kefel is not going to depend on the moment of judgment. They both get locked in to when this object was destroyed, which kicked off both payments. So now this explains 
explains the presentation of the Rambam in the previous halacha where he says the payment of kefel in 4 and 5 depend on the value at the moment when the Ganav destroyed the object. Because that is true. Even though ordinarily the kefel depends on the value at the time of judgment. But since in this case he's destroying the object, so there is going to be no object later at the time of judgment. So this is the exception where the kefel does not depend on the value at the time of judgment. It depends on the value at the time when he destroyed it. That's when it gets locked in because that's the moment when the fines kick in. He's now going to be obligated to pay those fines and there's not going to be any further change within this object. So the whole payment depends on that moment. So when the Rambam says in the second half of the halacha that the kefel and the dalit and hay depend on the shas hamada bedin, the moment of judgment, what he actually means is not the normal meaning of that phrase, which is when the court makes their decision. In this case, it means when the object was broken. So the shas shvira, when the object was broken or the animal was slaughtered, that's the moment that determines the value of the kefel payment. So this explains the whole presentation of the Rambam that he combined the Karen and the Kefel rules in the case where the Ganav actively destroyed the object because according to the Rambam, this is an exceptional case. We don't follow the general rules of Kefel or Karen in this case. Instead, all the other times and values that are normally applied in this case, the only one that matters that's more powerful than all of them is when the Ganav destroyed the object because once he destroyed it, there is no more depreciation in halacha. And once he destroys it, at that moment, the obligation of the kefel as well as the karen both kick in. So the only valuation in that case is the moment when he broke it. And that's what the Rambam is referring to when he says shas hamada bedin. In that halacha, it refers to when he broke it. So the Rambam was not confusing the karen and the kefel payments. He was telling us a new halacha that depreciation only happens when the object is still in existence at the time of the court case. Otherwise, the value of the object is determined at the last moment before the Ganav destroyed it. And Rab Chaim quotes that the Rosh in Baba Kama Samechei explicitly writes this, that all these rules and values are suspended when the Ganav destroyed the object, and that moment when he destroyed it solely determines the value of the object. So now in the final paragraph, Rab Chaim ties this in to answer his two questions on the language of the Rambam and the Raivid. The Rambam ruled Ein Shomin Leganav, that we don't evaluate the damages for the thief. So he does not pay the value of what he damaged. He has to replace the object that he stole plus double, which is the fine of Kefel. Now at the end of this halacha, the Rambam adds that if the owners do want the vessel, so let's say it's a historic antique and the owner says, I want the broken vessel so the owner can demand that the thief return the vessel and then pay damages over and above that. So now the issue here is how can the owners demand the stolen object back? The halacha is that when someone changes an object, they acquire it. So why doesn't the thief acquire the stolen object by damaging it? This is going to be the Magid Mishnah's question in the second chapter of Hilchus Gzela Aveda, and the first piece of Rab Chaim in Hilchus Gzela Aveda is 
going to go through this at length. But in this piece, Rab Chaim just touches on it very briefly, and he says that it must be, we're talking about where there was no real change to the object. So it did not lose its status or its title of what object it is, even though it was damaged. The damage was minor enough that the object is still recognizable the way it originally was. So that's why the thief does not acquire it. The owner still owns it. So if there's an argument between the owners and the thief that they both want to keep the object, the thief has to return it to the owners and pay the damages. So we learn from this that the context of this case is that the thief damaged the object in a sort of middle way. He did not damage it enough that he now owns it. It's not enough damage that the thief acquired it. On the other hand, it's enough damage that he can't just return the object to the owners and be done with the whole thing. So it's somewhere in the middle. So now Rab Chaim wonders, in this case, what value do we use to evaluate the Kefel payment? In the case where the thief totally broke the object, so he acquired it, so Rab Chaim just proved that according to the Rambam and the Rush, the value of the Kefel payment is based on the moment when the object was broken. But in this middle case where the thief does not acquire the object, so do we say that the Kefel payment is based on the value of the moment when he damaged the object even though he didn't acquire it because since at that moment he can no longer just hand the object back to the owners so that's when he becomes fully obligated to compensate financially the owners for this theft so everything gets locked in at that moment the object's depreciation no longer matters because this object itself is not going to be returned to the owners in addition the obligation of kefel kicks in at that moment not when he goes to judgment so the two facts that make it that the kefil gets locked in at the moment that it's broken do apply in this case. So it makes sense that the value of the kefil payment should be based on when it was broken, even though the thief did not acquire it. On the other hand, says Rab Chaim, maybe the only time the kefil value is based on when it's broken is when the thief acquired it at that moment. But if the thief did not acquire it, like this case, so the kefil is based on the moment of judgment. And even more so, it could be that if the thief would return this damaged object to the owner, it would get him out of having to pay the KFL because it would be like he returned the actual object, so he would be done, even though he might have to pay some damages, but he would get out of the KFL. So the KFL did not really kick in until the moment of judgment, in which case the value of the object should be based on the moment of judgment. So this is the question that Rab Chaim's adding. He's continuing to clarify this concept of the Rambam, that when the thief breaks the object, the kefil is valued at the moment when it's broken. So now Rab Chaim wonders in this additional case where the thief broke the object, but not enough to acquire it. So when is the value of the kefil locked in? Do we say that since he broke it, it follows the rules of a regular broken object and the kefil gets locked in at the moment when he broke it? Or since here the thief doesn't acquire it and potentially he could have still gotten out of the kefil, so the kefil does not get locked in until the moment of judgment. Says Rab Chaim, the answer to this question is exactly what the Rambam and the Ravid are trying to tell us in their language that sounded unusual. The Rambam seemed to imply that the kefel fine is paid based on the moment when he stole the object, not the Shas Hamada Bedin. So the question was that the kefel always depends on the value at the moment of Hamada Bedin.
But this is what the Rambam is trying to tell us, that in this case where he damaged it, even though he did not acquire it, but as soon as the thief damages the object, so he can't say, he's unable to just return the object and be done with it, he has to compensate the owners. So at that point, the KFL kicks in and the value of the KFL payment is locked in based on the value at that moment. So that's what the Rambam means. The KFL value is not based on the value at the time of judgment. It's based on when the thief damaged the object. So that's parallel to what he did in the previous halacha, where he labeled the moment of judgment as the moment when the thief broke the vessel. So he's doing a similar thing in this halacha. He's saying that the value of the object for kefel is determined when the thief broke it and not the shas hamadabedin. So that explains why the Rambam is saying that the value of the Karen payment and the kefel payment are both based on the same moment because in this case, it's talking about where the thief damaged the object. So they both get locked in at that moment, even though ordinarily the Karen is based on when he stole it and the Kefel is based on the moment of judgment. But in this case where he damaged the object, the Rambam is further clarifying, not only in the previous halacha, where he damaged it enough to acquire it, do the Karen and the Kefel get locked in at the same value. But even in this case where he damaged it less so, so he did not acquire it, but still, as soon as he damages the object, so he loses the ability of to return the object as is, now there's a financial obligation, so at that moment, the kefel gets locked in, so the karen and the kefel both get locked in at the same moment, and that's exactly what the language of the Rambam is telling us. This further clarification, not only in the case where the thief damages it enough to acquire it, but even if he damages is it less so any damage means that the Karen and the Kefel get locked in at the same moment. And that also explains the unusual formulation of the Raivid, because the Raivid, according to Rab Chaim, basically agrees with the Rambam's whole framework. He also follows the approach of Rashi and the Rambam, that the Halacha of Ein Sham and Laganav means that he can never give broken pieces. He always has to pay with a full object. So the Raivid saw the Rambam's application of this Halacha to the Kefel where the thief damages the object, the Rambam says that there the Karen and the Kefal are exactly the same. They both get locked in at the value of that moment. So on that, the Ravid disagrees. And he says the application of Ein Shaman is not going to mean that the Kefal follows the moment when it was broken because Ein Shaman only applies to the Karen, not the Kefal. So the Kefal's value continues to be determined by the moment of judgment, not when it was broken. So that is the debate between the Rambam and the Raivid, how to apply this halacha of Ein Shamin. According to the Rambam, we apply it both to the Karen and to the Kefel. So if the thief damages the object at all, both the Karen and the Kefel get locked in at that moment. According to the Raivid, we only apply Ein Shamin to the Karen, not the Kefel. So if the thief damages the object, the Karen gets locked in, but the Kefel still follows the moment of judgment. So that is the debate between the Rambam and the Raivid, but that explains why the Raivid did not quote the explicit Gemara, because even though the Gemara says that the Kefel follows the moment of judgment, the Rambam also agrees with that. He's just saying that in this case, because the thief damaged it, the moment of judgment is when he damaged it. And the Raivid is disagreeing with that, but that's not an explicit Gemara. That's the Raivid's own logic. So this approach to explaining the debate between the Rambam and the Raivid, that they're debating whether we apply 
Ein Shaman to the Kefel, and the difference is in this case where the thief damaged the object but not enough to acquire it when the Kefel gets locked in at the moment of damage versus at the moment of judgment. So this approach is going to make sense of the language of the Rambam and the Raivid, which did not seem to fit. But according to this explanation, it all fits beautifully because the Rambam and the Raivid are coming to teach us this halacha in this very obscure case that Rab Chaim came up with. So now in the final step, Rab Chaim ties this all together with the initial discussion of the debate between the Rashbam and the Rivam versus Rashi and the Rush. What Ein Shamin Liganev means. Does it mean that a thief cannot pay with broken pieces? Or does it mean that he has to pay the value of the object at the moment when he stole it, even if it went down in the meantime? So initially, Rab Chaim was saying that the Rambam and the Raivid could be read according to either approach. But then at the end, he said that they followed the view of Rashi, that it means that the thief cannot pay with broken objects. And that's also how that goes. Maimani reads the language of the Rambam, and Rab Chaim felt that was also the language of the Raivid. So now Rab Chaim comes back to that, and he says that his whole explanation is only going to work within that view. So this now bolsters the reading of the Hagos Maimani that the Rambam and the Raivid follow Rashi's understanding of this halacha. Because Rab Chaim says that the Raivid's idea that the Kefel does not get determined at the moment when it's broken, only at the moment of judgment, that only works if the thief is able to give the broken object back. That was the way Rab Chaim initially formulated this, that if the thief could return the stolen broken object, so then he can get out of the whole Kefel payment. Now here it's clear that he cannot return that broken object as the payment of Karen, because that's the whole halacha of Ein Shaman Leganov. He certainly cannot just return the broken object and be done. So how do we formulate the Raivid's approach? Says Rab Chaim, even though he can't return the broken object for his Karen payment, he could return it for his Kefel payment. So since he's able to get out of the Kefel fine by returning the broken stolen object, so that's why the value of the Kefel is not locked in when he breaks it until the moment of judgment when he actually becomes obligated in the Kefel. Because up until then, he could return the broken object and get out of the Kefel. He can't get out of the Karen, but he could get out of the Kefel. So logically, it seems in the Ravid's approach that he must hold that the halacha of Ein Shaman with regards to the detail that the thief cannot use the broken object as part of his payment, that does not apply to the kefel. And that explains why in the case where he broke the object, the value of the kefel still depends on the value of the object at the moment of judgment. As opposed to the Rambam who disagrees with the Raivid, so he does apply Ein Shaman Laganov, that the thief cannot pay with broken objects also to the kefel payment. So not only the Karen cannot be paid with broken objects, objects, the Kefel can't as well. So according to the Rambam, as soon as he damages the object, he's immediately obligated in the Karen and the Kefel. There's no way to get out of the Kefel through returning this broken object. So immediately the Kefel kicks in and the value of the Kefel payment gets locked in to that moment. So it turns out that the debate between the Rambam and the Raivid is over whether the Halach of Ein Shaman Liganov, meaning that the thief cannot compensate the owners for 
for the value of the stolen object, does that apply only to the Karen or also to the Kefel? And that translates into a debate in the case where the thief damages the stolen object, does the Kefel get locked in at that moment or only at the moment of judgment? Now, all of this shows that, of course, the Rambam and the Ravid's overall understanding of Ein Shaman Liganov is like Rashi, that the thief can never repay with broken objects. He always needs to pay either cash or a full complete object. So that's why the Rambam and the Ravid are debating whether that halacha applies only to the Karen or also to the Kefel. Because if they understand it like the Rashbam, that the issue is if the value of the object depreciates between when he stole it and the moment of judgment. So that debate would not translate into this debate. If that's their whole debate, so there's no reason for the Ravid to disagree with the Rambam's view that when it was damaged, the moment of judgment is the moment of damage. The Ravid could easily agree with that. The reason the Rambam and the Ravid are disagreeing in this halacha is over the application of Rashi's view. When do we apply the halacha that the thief cannot use broken objects to pay his obligation to the owners? Is that only for Karen or for Kefel? So Rab Chaim's whole approach reinforces the idea that the Rambam and the Ravid follow in Rashi's understanding of this halacha. But even so, in the last line, Rab Chaim reiterates what he said earlier in this piece, that even though that's the approach of the Rambam and the Ravid, it still affects the other halacha of what value the object has, the moment when it was stolen or the moment of judgment, because that issue depends on the issue of whether he can pay with broken vessels as well. So as Rab Chaim said, even according to Rashi and the Rush, that the issue of Ein Shaman Laganav is that he can't pay with broken vessels, but the whole theory of that is also that he can't take the value of the object as it is now after it went down. He has to pay what it originally was when he stole it because he has to replace the vessel. So according to Rab Chaim, these two issues, that the value of the object gets locked in when he stole it and that he can't pay with broken vessels are the same thing. They go together. So that's also included, according to the Rambam and the Ravid, in this halacha, that the value depends on when he originally stole it. So this is Rab Chaim's piece to explain these halachas in the Rambam and the Ravid, especially their language. The key points are, he discusses whether they follow the Rashbam or Rashi's understanding of the halacha of Ein Shaman Laganov. Unusually for the Rambam, he is not clear on this point. So Rab Chaim sides with the Agos Maimani that he follows the view of Rashi. And Rab Chaim interprets the Rambam as well as the Ravid along those lines. In addition, Rab Chaim explains the language of the Rambam in halacha 14, which seems to be mixing up the Karen and the Kefel rules and when we determine the value of the object. So Rab Chaim explains that the Rambam is teaching us something new, that if the thief destroys the object, so both the Karen and the Kefel value get locked in at that moment. So that's what the Rambam is trying to tell us in the way that he formulates this halacha. And then finally, Rab Chaim connects this all together and he shows how in the next halacha, 15, the Rambam is building on this to tell us another halacha, that if the thief damaged it less than he had in halacha 14, so he doesn't acquire 
acquire it, still the kefal gets locked in at that moment. And on that, the Raivid disagrees with him. And this all ties back in with the issue of whether the thief could pay for the kefal using broken objects. So that reinforces Rab Chaim and the Hagos Maimani's understanding that the Rambam and the Raivid follow in line with Rashi's approach to Ein Shaman Liganov. So that's the overall trajectory of this piece. Now I'll just end with one question. Rav Shach and Avi Ezri asks on Nagos Maimani and Rab Chaim that it seems clear to him that the Rambam follows the approach of the Rashbam. Because the whole case where the Rambam applies Ein Shaman Liganov is as Rab Chaim said where the thief did not damage it enough to acquire it. So there the Rambam says that he can't pay the owners using the broken object. But that's obvious because the thief doesn't own it in that case. In a case where he actually damaged it and acquired the broken pieces, so there the Rambam never told us that the thief can't use those broken pieces to repay the owners. And that's the whole point of Rashi's approach. So says Rav Shach, it seems obvious to him that the Rambam follows in the view of the Rashbam that the whole point of this halacha is that the thief has to pay the value of the object when he stole it. And that's why the Rambam is saying even if he didn't totally acquire it, he still has to pay the original higher value, not when it went down. So Rav Shach is making a very good point that there does seem to be a very strong indication in the Rambam that he does follow in the view of the Rashbam, not in Rashi.